20 yards out! That is a jewel from Jim Cahill has done it again! What a goal by Tim Cahill! Thompson! Five goals to Archie! Swing out, Patinka's head out! From Rob Melbourne, and the league champion, Jack Laws On 11-16 SEN, the Four Diego's. Welcome, amigos. This is the Four Diego's 11-16 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. I'm Carlos Alberto Diego. With me tonight is Vinny Venezuela. Good evening there, Vinny. Good evening, uh, Carlos. Good evening, listeners. And Warren Diego. Yeah, another week goes by with the opportunity of hosting going by the wayside. <laughs> but anyway, we'll... Uh, Benched again, Warren. We'll... Live and learn. Of course, Rodrigo's so enamoured with uh, Wellington Phoenix uh, performance on the weekend that he's gone over there. Yes. And doing a bit of business. We call it a little bit of business over there with uh, his uh, Diego Industries. And uh, he won't be on tonight, but uh, he'll certainly be back next week. Thanks very much to Mark Fine and the boys from the Wonder Years in uh, Troy Zantuck and Stephen Mill. Another fantastic show. Of course, all night appetite after the 40 goes. But for this uh, period under us, it'll be one hour of uh, Sterling football talk. Yeah, oh, well. Sterling. Sterling football talk. That's not Raheem you... Sterling. Oh, but if you were going to have uh, <laughs> an hour of talk, why, why, why not? Be Sterling? Well, before, why not? before, let's self-indulge for a little while because yes. uh, before we get into the, the hard football chat, of course, uh, you know, I mentioned on Half's show today, when the Diego's go to the football, we, we're amongst the people. Just amongst yep. the people. And, uh, and uh, you know, uh, this week, this last weekend, we got to experience <laughs> something a little bit more, you know, highbrow, didn't we, Vinny Venezuela? Oh, absolutely. Carlos, there have been times that, that we haven't even been able to get into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, uh, we were treated very uh, – um, we were spoilt. Yes. Thanks to our good friends at Melbourne Victory in particular. Uh, at the chairman's lunch uh, on Sunday it was a terrific setup. Fantastic uh, group of guys there. In fact, we were on um, the, the the bridesmaids table. Yes, I we think were. it's fair to say mm. with uh, the who's who of AFL. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it was, a, it was a great event and very professional setup. That mm. was, we didn't ex- we didn't know what to expect, but yep. it was a very professional setup, very welcoming. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, we were we got a little bit of love back our way, which was nice. I got actually a sense, Vinny, because of course I was your partner. Yep. It was a date between me and you. We'll talk about my date with Vinny with uh, Warren on the Friday at the city thing. But I got a really sense for the first time how people from uh, the you know the top end of town really do love victory. Yes. I mean, there, there's a lot of AFL people in the room. But they actually do love their AFL, but they really love victory, yep. you know, and you really get a sense of how much victory has really got a bit of a stranglehold on the on the market in government and in corporate. Yep. It was very, very strong. Can I just add, uh, one of the highlights of, of the um, the lunch in the afternoon before the game was uh, they played a little sort of tribute to Archie. Mm. And it was lovely because they had Archie's family in there. Archie obviously couldn't be there because he was in the dressing rooms. But uh, it was very emotional for the family and very powerful and uh, a fitting tribute to the great one. Absolutely, and uh, so fitting that uh, Kevin Musker didn't start him <laughs> in the game, but uh, no sentiment in football, and uh, in the end, he didn't do much uh, to uh, to claw back uh, the, the deficit in the end, and uh, they lost on this, really should have been a Cinderella story, but uh, uh, but they lost in that really important game. Now, Warren, me and you went on Friday night yeah, to the just, Melbourne City game. Just before we talk about that, yeah. Carlos, I actually um, passed Archie in aisle seven at Coles. 
ah, just yeah. before the game. Yep. Just I didn't say hello to him because he yep. was in the zone between the pastor and the pastor. Did, did he have the big headphones on? The headphones? <laughs> no, he didn't leave quite, me alone. But, uh, you see him quite regularly in the uh, same places that I shop. We live in the same geographic area, but uh, him and Mark Milligan and a few other boys, you are, see from You're going to give out their addresses or something, eh? Or? No, I don't know you, where you they are, live. Are you in the golden triangle of uh, <laughs> oh, football actually, players, Warren? Are you thing, in that elite? Are the you... golden triangle, it's sort of like, um, it's it's funny because there's a lot of Melbourne Storm players live where I live as well, as well yep. as the Victory fans, so I don't know why. But uh, yes, Carlos, I... Um, I couldn't bring myself to come to a victory uh, dinner, <laughs> no. so I decided to stick with my own, and we went yes. off to um, Man City. We were hosted by the Man great... Man City? Man, Melbourne. I wish well. we went off to Man City. Well, I'll tell you one thing we learnt, but um, we were hosted by the, the fantastic people at Vic Sport. Vic Sport, yes. As well as uh, Latrobe Uni, yep. and uh, they're doing a fantastic job out there. And We, we had a little in, corporate box. We did have a little corporate box, and the, and the nibblies come round. Well, in... if you call a duck roll... <laughs> Nibblies and the antipasta plate. Yes, very good. Yes. <laughs> Hope I'm not making our listeners uh, hungry. Out no, there, no, but, but it was, it was fantastic. A, but the funny thing is, your attention is diverted quite often away from the football. Oh, you I didn't find watch yourself, any of it. <laughs> you find yourself conversing and reacting to the noise of the crowd <laughs> as to when you should watch. It's quite an amazing way to to watch the football, but very comfortable and and nice to meet people that are you know corporately supporting the game and really it does move the game forward and you get the sense the one thing that was most impressive Carlos we talked a lot about the relationship between Latrobe Uni and Melbourne City and that facility that they've mm. built out there just the most amazing thing you've ever seen if you talked about footballing Nirvana yep that's exactly what it's like well what I mentioned on half today I've got a bit of a talking point going uh, a bit of a hot topic that obviously with that being built, and you know, fifteen to twenty million dollars was uh, was spent by the City Group to develop this world class facility for Melbourne City. Do you think the Victory have to respond to it, or can they just say that's what they do? We don't have to respond to it. Um, well, what are I your just... thoughts? I mean, is it something that Victory should come out and make a statement of some sort that they're you know not just sitting on their laurels that they're actually doing something in this area also? Because it's all about the building of the academies going forward. Every, in the next 10 years, every A-League club will be expected to have an academy that would have every you know the best under-10s right up to under-16s, under-17s. And, uh, and I think that's a first step for Melbourne City in doing that. Do you think that's because it's uh, considered uh, an earner for a club or is it just because it's something you need to have? Well, I think these days with elite sport, you just can't, you know, you can't be... You know, doing your ice baths in, in rubbish bins, the way that uh, Melbourne City used <laughs> but, to. Oh, look. But, but arguably, sorry to interrupt, uh, Warren, but uh, where Victory is at the moment yep. has got everything they, they could possibly want. I mean, we went to the change rooms post-game and the boys just go in to have their recovery. The pool's right there. Yep. I don't know that they need any more than that. They might probably want some more privacy for when they train sort of during the week. but yeah. uh, They share the facility with Melbourne Storm, I think Melbourne Football yeah, Melbourne Club. Storm. So they'd, other... be, they'd have to make some modif... I, I would imagine now that pre-season for Melbourne mm. and, and Melbourne Storm have started, I think there is enough facilities in that sort of Gosh's paddock sort of area for, for grounds, but I dare say they'd have to make some compromises around when they do their weights, when they do their recovery, their swim sessions and stuff. I think, Carlos, if you look at the AFL equivalent, Every club, including 
the clubs that are on financial assistance from the AFL, Western Bulldogs, North Melbourne, have all over the last five years entered into corporate and government partnerships to build facilities, but they're not all like Collingwood's facility or a residence yep. facility. So I would imagine that, that Melbourne Cities is probably Collingwood-like in terms of size and that, but all clubs would need something. And I, I don't know about the players, but I would imagine that training in the city mm. is sometimes a bit of a hassle. You might want to train somewhere else. So I would say that Melbourne Victory would definitely be looking at a facility that they could call their own and, and, and develop. But I don't know whether they're going to be able to come up with, what, $15 million well, that, was the figure? Not, that's not a lot of money compared. I mean, if you look at the, the Richmond Indigenous Centre no, for that's uh, it. At yep. Punt Road. That's if you look 25 at the, odd. Yeah, Western Bulldogs, a uh, uh, new facility. Oh, it's not new now, but it, you know, it was built a few years ago. That was over $20 million of government money plus other benefactors. I think local government was involved yep. there. I mean, this is not a lot of money, $15 million. And not I, over the space of 25 years. Absolutely. When you're, when you're amortised it over time, it's, yep. it's not, a, not an issue. I'm also thinking not only that you have your own facility, but also that, um, that if you're a, a, an outstanding junior, you know, a 14, 15, 16-year-old, uh, and these days they get identified pretty early, and there might be four A-league clubs after you. And, you, you, know, it, you know, given that you know, your workplace is the world, you could be moving anywhere. So for football players, you tend to move into state if you needed to. Would it make a difference to you that uh, a club, say Victory or Sydney FC or Melbourne City, came to you and each uh, successful clubs, but you've got to make your decision on, uh, on what's good for your career and you're walking into a world-class facility every day, would that make a difference to your decision? And also throw in the fact that a club like Melbourne City have these pathways to Manchester these days. They have a pathway to New York if they uh, think they've got some sort of relationship with Yokohama in yep. the J-League. There's, the, there's those four teams. Yeah, and, and there will be more in the next 10 years. Do you think that the pathway plus the facility is much more attractive at City? Therefore almost forcing victory to do something about this? Not at the moment. I think, I think if a young player was going to sign, they'd still sign with victory mm. because of the success around the club. And but City around... will get success in the next five or six yeah, years. Yeah, so I think at the moment, I think, um, is it Jason Guerrier, I think, might yep. have signed an extension, and he basically And said, Galloway too. And Galloway, mm. and they pretty much said... It was a no-brainer. We want to. We're playing with the biggest club in Australia. Yep. You know, we're getting the opportunity, so it's a no-brainer. I mean, I think Garia was trialing at both Victory and also maybe Melbourne City around the time he originally signed a contract and went for Melbourne Victory. So yep. I would say at the moment you'd go Victory. You you throw some success into Melbourne City. I think that's what players want to play in, and then everything else around that you know, is what would attract them for sure. Yeah, look, I tend to agree. As I said before, I think that the their current digs are fantastic and world-class anyway. They don't have an academy and all of that sort of thing, but they they are victory and they, they're playing good football. They've been on top of the tree for for the 10 years of the A-League. They've been the strongest club. It's got the allure. And, I, and yes, the, the Man City pathway is, is tempting, but I think that uh, if you're a good football player these days, you're going to get spotted regardless. And um, it, you know, even if you're playing for victory, someone from Mel- M- Melbourne City is going to is going to be aware of you and can always drop your name. You know what, know. Carlos? I reckon it might change when the 16 year old kid who's been in Melbourne Melbourne City's academy gets signed by Manchester City and goes over there. You know, you get that sort of thing, yeah. and then I think that mm. that builds that. So when we see that kid, yep. 
who's been in the system and is training and suddenly gets a contract with Melbourne City, a well, real gets a trial, I mean, gets a trial, gets a trial at, yeah. at Man City. Yep. That's when it becomes real. But there's talk about the likes of someone like a Jacob Melling, a Aaron Moy, mm-hmm. during the off-season going to train with Man City as yep. part of their development. It yep. doesn't mean they're going to join them. And they might go and train with New York. Now, I mean, Melling's this is... a guy who could make rapid, rapid improvement, I think, around the quality of his game because he's got the physical component. Mm. I think he's got the aerobic ability. He works really hard. And he's developed a lot just simply by playing. His curve up. Yeah. And Moy is another one. I think... Aaron Moy, in many ways, is untapped in terms of how good he can continue to be. And that's great for the Socceroos, isn't it? When guys like Melling and Moy and those guys who come to Man- Melbourne City get an opportunity to do that sort of training. It's quite yeah, there's incredible. some really exciting young talent. And again, uh, the more you expose them to what's happening overseas, especially through you know the, the City Group network would be yep. uh, something anyone associated with Melbourne City can do. But anyway, guys, uh, let's uh, go on to the hot topic for tonight. I know we're delivering yep. it a little bit early, a bit later. Um, of course, Kieran Bullitt, uh, a young man who scored a couple of goals from West Sydney Wanderers in their 4-3 loss against and Sydney. And is now a firm Western Sydney Wanderers fan favourite, Carlos, Absolutely. in a couple of games. Absolutely. He's got the ink all over the body. He fits in really well in West Sydney. I think it's his hometown, yes. home, home region. Apparently the demand for teardrop tattoos <laughs> on the eye went crazy on the weekend. Yeah, well, he got two goals in the, in a fantastic uh, uh, performance before he was subbed. And, of course, he came on Late tonight in their three-one uh, loss against um, uh, who did they play tonight? They played uh, Guangzhou Evergrande and the uh, billionaires of Asian football. Absolutely, and uh, it was a good game. It was three-two in the end that they lost. Uh, and uh, of course, uh, the game between Brisbane Raw and Uruguay Red Diamonds. It's the ninety-first minute, and also Brisbane Raw is is winning one nil away from home, which is a fantastic result there for them. And hopefully, they can close that one out. Uh, but uh, with Kieran Bullet, obviously, he's a young man who's had a bit of a decorated past, been a bit of trouble before uh, in the two thousand and ten. We call him colourful, Carlos. Absolutely, uh, but he, he sort of got misled a little bit in the two thousand and ten, where he's uh, re- he was involved in a little bit of gang-related crime. Uh, had to go to court and all that sort of stuff. Played a lot of his football in the Czech Republic, but he's come back and he he's looking for a second chance. Yep. Basically, looking for people to forgive him and go on with it. And, of course, that faith that Tony Popovic has shown him has uh, led to a couple of goals on the weekend and some good performances so far. So tonight's hot topic, Warren, is... Well, Carlos, on the Shawshank Redemption hotline... The Shawshank Redemption hotline. And this is... This is um, close to my heart this topic because I've been seeking redemption from you <laughs> ever since I refused to wear a sombrero at the Melbourne Knights <laughs> summer time ago. Yeah, right, yeah, summer right. So who are the players in world football yep. that have that are seeking yep. or who have sought or who have been granted yes. redemption yes. by the fans, by fellow players and, you know, in the green room before... So the guys that have stuffed up... And you're forgiven. Yes. And they're wanting forgiveness or you have yep. forgiven. Yeah. And we came up with about 10 or 15 yep. over yep. the years, some really good ones out there. I mean, of course, the the one that he probably wasn't seeking redemption, but people gave him redemption was Eric Cantona. Eric Cantona. After the Kung Fu kick, yep. he came back after about 10 months of football and just his pure performances, people just absolutely forgave him for what he did and now it's just part of his colourful past. So there's all those types of... I mean, 
he falls into a guy granted redemption. I think Joey Barton, in many ways, is seeking redemption, <laughs> but is unlikely ever to be granted it by whoever yeah. he yes. plays for. So I, mean, I think Mark Bosich has been given, has been forgiven yeah. for his sins he's of the past. He's now in the bosom. Absolutely. We, we all we love, love him. him. We you love Bozich. He's, he's a colourful character who went through a little bit of a colourful period in his yeah. life, uh, came back home, you know, sought redemption, and he got it from his family and friends. And uh, look at, you know, he's one of the favourite guys on TV right now. So anyway, uh, the, the SMS number 0433981116, or you can give us a ring on 94291116 on the Shawshank Redemption hotline. There you go. Absolutely. A couple of things off the SMS, Carlos, and you might be able to confirm these for me. This interesting one, and I think you have, is Tottenham Hotspur yep. coming to Melbourne. No, no, they're playing in Sydney. They're playing Sydney FC. I don't think it's fully confirmed yet, but uh, there are another EPL com- club coming to Australia. It's going to be a busy period in the middle of the year. May thirtieth, I think the the scheduled the proposed yep. date is for that game. And of course, Liverpool's coming to play in Brisbane and also Adelaide. Correct. And of course, we've got the, the international Cup, the international champions cup. In Melbourne with uh, Roma, Real Madrid, and Barcelona, so some really big games. And you know, we were crying. Remember, we were crying out for this in the old mm. NSL days, even the early A League, and people were laughing at us when saying, "Well, we proposed it, uh, Carl. I'm sure that yeah, um, I've got a proposal there in my nine seven four. We said, "Hey, <laughs> why can't Barcelona, Roma, and Man United come?" But I was saying years ago, <laughs> why can't our A League or NSL clubs pay these people? You know, play these teams. And so good that you can actually have a, a team like Melbourne Victory playing Liverpool at, at the MCG in front of 96,000 people. I Absolutely. mean, what, what would that do to the, to the development of a Jason Guerrier or a Scott, Gollo, uh, uh, Scott uh, Galloway? I mean, how about... Uh, well, look what it did for Connor Payne's uh, career, at, oh, Carlos. Well, yeah, you know, it's got a bit of back. It almost took off. Yeah, but I remember he was running rins around uh, Enrique that yes, day. Exactly. So, uh, he, was, he played that. He was a gun that fantastic. night. Fantastic. And, of course, uh, you know, we get the Brisbane Raw players and the Adelaide United players uh, with the same opportunity when Liverpool come out this time. So I, I would have loved to have seen an A-League club play in that International Champions Cup against the Real Madrids and Barcelonas of this world. And also, actually, it's not Barcelona. It's Real Madrid, uh, Man City, and also AS Roma. They're yes. the three clubs now, that are coming out. a couple out. off the SMS. And the interesting one, the first one, Lucas Neal for giving away the penalty in 06. Are we forgiving uh. him? But I think, I, he, I think he's got I never himself. Should have stayed on your feet, Lucas. <laughs> Should have stayed on your feet. Everyone knows that. Um, now this, uh, Actually, can we just add to that? Lucas Neal for having a crack at uh, fans. Didn't he sort of flail the uh, arms? Yeah, and... I think he's, had a few, he's, got a, he's got a few on the, uh, on the list, yep. on the redemption list, and I'm not sure whether everyone's forgiven him yet. Yeah. All of this them. is a clear Australian equivalent for me. Kevin Muscat, after his numerous red cards for Melbourne victory, and I suppose the most famous one is the... Uh, is the one against Anthony Zara. Anthony Zara. Yep. Um, Can I, on that one, we, I need some confirmation here because I can't quite remember, but in season one, if you're a Victory fan, can you confirm this for me? In season one, did Muskie cop like a six-week ban because he hit someone from behind? I've got, a, I've got a memory of him being out, or maybe it was three weeks or something, but uh, I felt that at the time it was like him, he was a crucial player for us and... Yeah. Um, I was very disappointed. Yeah, I can't, so, I can't so remember. So confirmed that, that if you're a victory fan. Yeah, I know yeah, he's always been controversial, but I'm not sure whether he Maybe it was that, three weeks, yeah. but if, if someone can uh, refresh my memory, I'd be grateful. Yeah. But have, have you forgiven him? Yes, of course I have. He's, he's done very, very well. Very prof- very impressive as a coach. I, I actually uh, was watching his press conference uh, today, actually, on uh, on uh, the 
on the on the FFA website, and uh, just felt that he handled that really, really well. Even the stupid questions, some of the stupid questions that media would ask. I mean, as a player, he probably rips someone's head off, but as a coach, he, he's pretty calm and he addresses everything yep. uh, in a calm sort of fashion. He's very subdued in a press yeah. conference. Can I just add, we uh, I ran into uh, Dottore, who came on the South African tour of us with us to the World Cup, and uh, yeah. <laughs> she's a, a staunch Melbourne City fan, yep. and she said quite disappointingly, but also, you know, with praise that you can't believe how good a gaffer Kevin Musket has turned out to be. It's so good, yeah. it is true. As I've said, he's going to be a far better manager than he ever was a player, and he was a very good player. Of course, one of the ones that we uh, came up with, and you need to be a, you know, go way back here with the uh, with the NSL in mind, uh, Con getaway driver <laughs> Butsianis, who could not forgive Australia's uh, best dead ball specialist. And, of course, uh, he did get in a little bit of trouble uh, on, uh, was it post-grand final? I think it happened yes. all before the grand final. Yes. Back in 97, 98. Uh, I know Carlton and South Melbourne were in that grand final, and uh, and uh, he certainly uh, got in a bit of trouble. It's... I think the, head, the front page of the Herald Sun it made, I think, the day after the grand final or the next week. It is an interesting one, this one, because I would say on this in this instance... Redemption came almost instantaneously. Mark Viduka was seeking redemption for missing the penalty in the shootout against Uruguay. Well, he sought redemption the very next one because Mark Swartz has saved it. And, of course, John Aloisi scored the goal. But it's amazing sliding door moments in terms of redemption. Viduka was the only Australian to miss a penalty in that shootout. And if it had been another result, he would have been seeking redemption Mm. in some way. But there you go. Absolutely. So keep them coming through. 0433981116. Or give us a ring, 94291116. It is a Shawshank Redemption hotline. And uh, we've got some good ones coming through. And uh, Warren will keep you up to date with that. Of course, uh, the big news uh, this weekend, guys, was that, um, uh, that there's talk that the A-League Grand Final, if Melbourne Victory or Melbourne City make it, may be moved away from Melbourne because the ground is booked. Eddie Head Stadium, which is uh, the, the ground most likely that the, a grand final will be played on, that, uh, that's booked by the AFL, and they've got the Doggies playing Fremantle on that day. And, of course, uh, the A-League have been, and the FFA have been working very, very hard to be able to uh, get some sort of compromise here or some sort of negotiation, negotiation going with government and also the AFL to see whether, you know, every other ground in Australia... Um, is actually booked or has booked that, you know, that date tentatively, and of course uh, the one in Melbourne is uh, is not available. Carlos, so what are your can, thoughts about that? Vin? Can I ask how far ahead did the was a booking made, or you know who would have had sort of the option to to book the date first? Do you think the um, you know the AFL five years ago said and give us May seventeen two thousand and fifteen, or did the A League say these are all the possible dates for finals? Yep. Should I we better lock in May if in case it's a Melbourne team lock in Eddie had someone stuffed up here. Yeah, no, yeah, no one's actually saying why uh, the FFA hadn't had that date booked because apparently every other stadium of, of its size around Australia is booked. Uh, or the stadium operators have left it open for the A-League Grand Final on that day. Now, is this one of those cases, if the AFL stick by their guns, that government should come out and say, no, AFL, this is too important. A game between the Doggies and Fremantle doesn't have the same economic impact than an A-League Grand Final, especially involving May- Melbourne victory. Does the government come in and say, hey, we're going wa- you know, to you know, wave the stick here and we're going to say to you, no, nah, you're going to have to move it down to Geelong or whatever? 
Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, should, or, or given that it wasn't booked and the, F, the A-League, obvious, sorry, the A, AFL obviously have it booked uh, and they've got every right to use it that day, should it remain the same? Warren? Look, I think government can put pressure on. I don't think they've got any real say in terms of what is going to happen. I mean, look, in a perfect world, the AFL is working with all the other federations or all the other sports associations in trying to have the best outcomes and let the soccer play there. But in the competitive world of sport, I wouldn't be surprised if the, if the AFL actually gets on the digs and says no, because it's interesting. Eventually, Etihad Stadium will be owned by the AFL. So the Melbourne Victory and the FFA will actually be a tenant of the AFL in terms of the use of that ground. Well, that's if they don't build something else. Correct. I mean, if there is a third team coming into Melbourne, there might be an argument to have another ground. I I don't know why they never built the bubble stadium at to 40,000. Mm. I mean, 40 or 45. I mean, it was an argument at the time. They've only got barely 31,000. They can fit in there and they never get 31. It's, you know, the, the sell out there is 28, 28 yep. or something, yep. which is ridiculous given uh, the fact that in year two, Melbourne Victory and Sydney FC drew 50,000 to mm. a game. Well, well, it was I, always going to happen. Yes, it was. Yeah, arguably, um, Eddie had needs the A-League more than the A-League needs Eddie had. We, we obviously need Eddie had for grand finals because we, we are going to pack them in. But uh, on, on a week-to-week basis, regular crowds at uh, Amy Park are very strong and robust. And if that continues to be the case, then there, there's less need for, for an Etihad but for sort of the, the, the business end of the year. So we may well move to a bigger stadium somewhere. Yeah, I think what you know, Damon DeBowen's come out very, very strongly in the last couple of days saying, listen, we've talked to government, we've explained to Melbourne Victory, Melbourne City, that if we don't get the rights to this ground, we're going to move the grand final elsewhere. And even if it's, a, ironically, if it's a Melbourne Victory, Melbourne City game, they'll move it elsewhere. I mean, that's almost a threat to government because obviously they want the big events and the A-League is now a big event. The grand final is now a big event, even if, if, even if it's a 50,000 crowd, all the rest of the stuff around that uh, does add to the economy and I think the government would be saying we can't, especially if it's one of our own teams involved, we can't not have the this grand is, final and, here. And this isn't changing, Carlos. We're going to get extra teams in the A-League. The season's going to go longer. It's not ever going to directly clash with the AFL, but it's going to go deep into yep. the first half of an AFL season. I hate this time of the year as far as the A-League is concerned for one reason. As soon as the Rugby League starts with the Super, with the super Rugby as well, the grounds get chewed up. Like, yep. for instance, the first one that will go horrible is um, Suncorp. Suncorp yep. That will go. They've relayed They've like relayed Pertec Stadium where Wanderers play, but the Sydney Football Stadium where the Roosters play, that'll start going. Amy the only, Park, the Amy Park is about the only yeah. one that stays yeah. in decent quality. And obviously, thank, thankfully, Perth and Adelaide have got pretty much purpose-built grounds that are rectangular. But it's an issue... And it's going to continue to be an issue. And when is the threshold for another, you know, purpose-built facility in Melbourne or Sydney so that we don't have this type of clash? Let's come back after the break and we'll take a couple of calls. A couple of calls on the line. We'll uh, take those calls. And uh, let's just ask the question, uh, should the government come along and just say, hey, we're going to make the decision here? Or should the AFL have the right to... Uh, play their game, and the uh, and the A League Grand Final be moved elsewhere, even if one of the Melbourne sides are involved. This is the Forty Agos on Eleven Sixteen Sen, Melbourne's home of sport. One week they give you a Ferrari, 
the next week they give you the gas to get out of town. This has been a profound coaching moment by the four Diegos. On 1116 SEN, the four Diegos. Welcome back. This is the Four Diego's on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sports. Uh, coming up very, very soon from uh, the UK, we're speaking to Mike McGrath, the age, oh, sorry, the, the age. The, He's the ageless, Carlos. Absolutely. The Sun newspaper writer there. Can't wait to talk to him about all the EPL stuff overnight and also on the weekend. Of course, uh, we've had a couple of hot topics tonight. The hot topic uh, we started with was the Shawshank Redemption hot topic. And of course, which players have uh, you forgiven? Have, have sought redemption, um, have got redemption, uh, you've forgiven, the, the, you know, they've, they've wanted forgiveness in, in what they've done, and uh, we had a pretty good uh, couple... Adrian Lay has been mentioned yes. a few times, Carlos. <laughs> yes. Although it did struck me. What do we have to forgive Adrian Lay for? Oh, well, I think um, the general consensus is that at times he may not have played to his true potential, yeah. and that's putting it... But it's funny, you know, it actually struck me watching the victory continuing with their defensive woes, <laughs> the most hated player, or not hated, I've used that word yes. loosely in the last few weeks, and actually I... No, I think, the word, was, I think the word was hopeless. You know, the funny thing was, we walked, we talked about mixing in those circles, Vinny. I walked straight past the unnamed goalkeeper from Melbourne City <laughs> on Friday night, and um, I did keep my head low, even though I didn't think he'd recognise yeah. I just think Adrian Leia was... A player that the fans love to hate, but yeah. I thought that those who hated him may actually have wanted him back yes. for a little while mm. on, uh, on the weekend. On the weekend, yeah. but uh, yeah. Now, before we go to our callers, girls, the general consensus is that the AFL have done this deliberately. Number one, <laughs> yeah. and they've almost taken the you know what by putting a yeah. really poor drawing <laughs> game on that day. Yep, yeah. and that. But the other consensus is why not play? Why not play the A-League Grand Final at the MCG? Well, well, look, they've probably got an A-League, probably got an AFL game at the A. Well, no, they not on that day. They wouldn't have one on yeah. the same day, I don't think, because we're talking. Are we talking a Friday night, a Saturday night? Saturday. Well, I mean, if they've got a game at Etihad, wouldn't, there they would wouldn't not have, be another game well, at the G. I wouldn't think. Thought, interesting thought. I, I say we just go to the game anyway. I just say you know just. <laughs> Like have a A league fans just go there. <laughs> the two teams just go there and just start playing. Well, we've had our opinion here. Nine four two nine eleven sixteen is the number. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven. There's a game at the G as to well. To send a SMS through. Let's go to some of our callers. We've got Bob in Borwin. Uh He thinks the AFL will move. How are you, Bob? G'day, boys. Great to hear you all. All well. Yes, yes all well, well, very Thanks. well, Bob. Yeah, I need to get one back to one of your amigos heard something during the afternoon about these coffee shops trying to get back into the A-League. That ain't going to happen. <laughs> but let's just, let's just stick of to course, you're way. referring to South Melbourne. We were yeah, talking yeah. about the uh, expansion in 2017 and we had a lot of callers and SMSs <laughs> suggesting South Melbourne should be one of the teams let back into the A-League. And I, I'm, I agree with you, Bob. They, I don't think they will, especially under the name South Melbourne because of their link to the old NSL. That's finished those coffee shops. Let's get back to the serious stuff. The word coming out of uh, Oxford Street, Sydney, is that um, if uh, they don't budge for Melbourne victory, they'll be very lucky. If not unlucky, they won't see Australia being playing at uh, Melbourne because um, it's Frank's way and no other way. Okay, so you're saying that the FFA is uh, coming back to the government and saying, listen, you're not going to see the Socceroos play in Melbourne if you don't help us out here. Is that what you're su- suggesting there, Bob? 
That's the whisper coming out of William Street, yeah. but we're really saying it's coming out of Oxford Street, Sydney. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, the interesting one there is uh, the quotes from Damien de Bowen during the week on the back of this is that he's basically really stated that he's talked to the government, he's explained the city and, and victory, that if the AFL don't move, you know, don't, don't move on this, that uh, the grand final will be moved elsewhere. But he said it in such a way, it's almost a threat. Yep. So I think uh, the government's got a lot to lose here. But thanks very much for that, Bob. Let's go to Peter from Cheltenham. He says history is not in A-League's favour for ground change. How are you, Pete? Hey, hello, uh, Carlos and Dagos. Yes, I'll right, you too, mate. I agree with Warren um, in that, yeah, well, he, I go by history because the current uh, CEO, Gillian McLaughlin, uh, many years ago, yep. in the old Wizard Cup series, Collingwood was playing Richmond at the Etihad, and I think... I'm not sure it was one of the early grand finals or, or a final. I, I remember it, was a, it might have been a grand final Yep. Uh, when the season wasn't as long. And uh, he was threatening to say, he goes, oh, next time he goes, uh, clash of dates, he goes, you won't be getting it your own way. I remember, I remember him saying it back then when he was COO, yep. uh, Chief Operating Officer yep. for the AFL. And they eventually, I think, allowed the... Uh, Oh, look, I stand to be corrected, mm. but uh, I think it was a grand final, one of the early ones, and uh, it was Collingwood Richmond playing in the Wizard Cup, so yep. it wasn't for points, just a pra- glorified practice match, yep. and yet this, what, what amused me, he was actually serious, and I was actually laughing when I was looking at him, he serious look on his face at the press conference, mm. he uh, sounded serious, and I thought, mate, we're talking about a grand final here, mate, common yep. sense should prevail, so, so now that he's CEO, I thought, geez, uh I don't think uh, going going by history uh, doesn't all go well for uh, Melbourne Victory to get the final here. But why? I mean, let's go. Let's talk. Let's talk on the AFL side for a minute. I mean, why would they want to help out football? Hmm. I mean, mean, what what benefit do they get other than just general goodwill in moving their AFL game to play a soccer grand final? I mean, is there, is, is there any goodwill there? I mean, would they, they might seek compensation. That might be one way of getting around it and, and saving face. Well, but, uh... all, yes, well, in the commercial world, you, you're either going to go for compensation or there's got to be something in it. And as you say, they're either going to get some capital out of just the generosity yep. or they're going to say, no, well, you want this ground. We've booked it. You should have booked it. I don't know why you didn't book it, but uh, yep. you pay us for it. It's funny. Sorry, Vinny. It's funny that... You know, the AFL might want to stay there, but if you listen to clubs in the AFL around the stadium deals that they get, the Western Bulldogs and North Melbournes have cried foul for years in terms of it costs them hundreds of thousands of dollars to host games against interstate teams at Etihad. Yet there's a sense that if they do take it down the road to Geelong, that they can actually make some money. So I'd really be interested to know what the doggies think about, okay, you know, where's it financially better for us? And I'm not sure if the AFL... The AFL obviously controls the fixtures, so they have to yep. play where they're told. But uh, I don't think it's great money in those clubs playing at those venues when there's small crowds. I remember years ago when Man United came out and uh, there was a clash and uh, I think uh, they wanted Man United to play at MCG, but the AFL had had uh, the game there and there was I just remember hearing a lot of talk back radio then from AFL guys I remember David mm. Mackay sort of talking about it on the radio somewhere saying why wouldn't you just want to see someone the likes of Beckham mm. or whoever playing here and it's it's just a spectacle it's a big event uh, bring it on and you know the AFL game can wait or you know can be rescheduled it's not a biggie so yeah. maybe that ad- maybe even amongst its own fans people would think well you know what this is a bigger game and 
it is a good atmosphere. You may you may find pressure from within the you know from its own cohort of of supporters for a game to be at Etihad because you know many of the mm. foot, uh, soccer fans, football fans, A League fans are also AFL fans. But, so. but where 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 the FFA may not be able to repay the AFL in any way, the AFL may by some goodwill and generosity here. Uh, because they have got control of the stadium on that day, uh, they might uh, actually have some uh, some uh, credit in the bank with government down the track too. You know, by way of funding down the track, by way of I don't know, um, you know, uh, flexibility with ground deals or whatever it may be. Not that they, you know, they've they've got fairly good deals everywhere. But uh, I don't know. Just uh, any. I mean, there's talk about. For example, having another boutique stadium in Melbourne for AFL. We saw the game on the weekend with the Western Bulldogs, yep. and uh, and you know what that looked a terrific spectacle. And the need of a smaller ground, and I'm not talking about driving all the way to Geelong. I'm talking about somewhere more in the central area of well, Melbourne. Got Carlton. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, even invest a little bit more money in there where the government might do that. So, I mean, I think uh, the AFL have got a lot to gain by by allowing the A League to play their grand final. Uh, at the same time, they have every right not to move if they yeah. if they wanted to. So uh, we'll see see what happens. But uh, yeah, that's uh, an issue that's uh, really cropped up in the last couple of days, and uh, it will be interesting to see how that works out. But it's certainly strange if somehow Victory and City make the grand final and they're it's playing in somewhere Sydney. else. <laughs> Do you get gate takings? Would Eddie had get a percentage of gate takings, or you just say just ask uh, for a fee for the ground, and then whatever whoever gets it gets it? I think it's a I think it's an amount. It's it's a it's a guaranteed income once you reach a certain threshold that covers the cost of the stadium. So I think for some clubs you might get, you know, two hundred thousand dollars, for instance, if the crowd's more than forty thousand. I think it's something like that. I don't think it's percentage of go takings. And even in the A League, don't we have that clubs are the ones who make stadium arrangements during the season, but the A League takes over ticketing and the management of venues for finals and as such I'm not sure how it's yeah. distributed because it becomes a different setup in finals because it's run by the 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 organization rather than the club. Okay, let's leave that one there. Let's go to a break and after the break we'll shoot over to the UK and speak to our man over there Mike McGrath. This is the 40 Diego's 1116 SEN Melbourne's home of sport. You know what EPL stands for? Every player loaded. To all English Premier League coaches out there, happy coaching. This is the Four Diego's. On eleven sixteen SEN, the Four Diego's. Welcome back. This is the Four Diego's on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Now, eight minutes to midnight. Uh, coming up after the Four Diego's is all no appetite, so hang around for that. Uh, let's shoot over to the UK now and speak to our man over there, Mike McGrath from The Sun. Uh, g'day, g'day there, Mike. Hi, guys. How are you, mate? I hear you're in a car on the way to Liverpool. Yeah, that's, uh, that's right. So it's about, uh, what was it, six hours or so till um, kick-off. But, um, yeah, I'll get there early and, and see if you've town uh, before the big one against Burnley tonight. Fantastic. Well, it's Carlos here tonight. We've got uh, Vinny and also Warren. Now, uh, 
We'll talk about the Liverpool game in a moment, but on the weekend, of course, Jose Mourinho was back to his winning ways, winning the ultimate kissing your sister cup in the Capital One Cup final there against Tottenham. It was a comfortable 2-0 win in the end, and uh, he was celebrating like he'd never won a cup before. Yeah, I mean, we spoke to Jose before the cup final, and he did say, you know, this is the most important one for, for various reasons. Um, and I could kind of see that because obviously I went empty-handed last season on his first uh, campaign back at Stamford Bridge. So this really didn't mean a lot to him. I mean, like you say, the game was comfortable. I thought that it, it never really looked like it was going to be anybody winning apart from Chelsea. Um, but yeah, the celebrations were a bit surprising afterwards. He really rolled back the years, I suppose. And um and it shows that he's still got that hunger, yeah, that, that, that hunger to, to get trophies, and um, and he's still got a couple more to go this season. Mike, there was no talk of the key moments in the game, the minutes, because uh, lately <laughs> the special one likes telling us, you know, it's thirty-eight, forty-nine, soccer pool, sixty-five, no minutes. Yeah, yeah, I think that's why it was surprising as well. He's had a fairness on it, you know, quite a while actually, when he hasn't been railing against. You know, his own fans at Chelsea for being quiet. It's been referees or uh, decisions, um, opposition, uh, you know, tactics, whatever. He, he's really kind of got his back up this season. So it was, um, and, and obviously the week before with the passage and the minutes he mentioned, uh, he's been in a foul mood. So obviously it takes silverware to kind of snap him out of it. It's nice of him to give his players 20 minutes. I think he gave them to celebrate after the game, which is much appreciated on their behalf, Mike. Now, Mike, I know that I, I don't know whether you're able to comment on the front page or the back pages of opposition newspapers, but uh, Manuel Pellegrini is quoted on the back of the Daily Star as saying, I'm fireproof. Now, I'm not sure if he's talking about his house or his job at Man City, but where do you look? It's a really interesting topic of conversation for me because. I think in the last two games, the game against Barcelona at home, he was probably out-coached. And even there was a sense that he struggled to cope with, you know, the fast, nippy midfield players, Lalana and and the like in the Liverpool game. And he comes out and says, I'm fireproof. Now, to me, he probably is not going to get sacked, but I don't think he's absolutely safe. Well, we, we also carried that story uh, on the back page of ours. Our, our headline being shake, shake, and, uh, shake and not third. <laughs> um, he's basically saying, I don't have to win anything to, to, to keep my job, which I think is a real bold thing to say. Uh, I think his general thesis, Pellegrini, from covering the club is that he, he looks for improvement, even, improvement even if it doesn't mean winning a trophy. That's his ethos. But I really, it's been a bad couple of weeks for him. Um, I think absolutely out, out coached by other people. I just think it was a big blunder, not only sending two strikers in against um, Barcelona and then doing the same against Liverpool, but also not rectifying it quickly enough in the game, which is something that Mourinho does. He identifies quickly and, um, and, and sorts it out. I think he, he moved too slowly on that. They're lucky that they're still in the tie against Barcelona and obviously they dropped points against Liverpool and I think he, he could easily have done better in those games. And it's just a case now of whether the board really, you know, whether they do have faith in him. He's only got a year after this uh, season on his contract. 
contract and also who's available because it looks like Pep Guardiola, the favourite of uh, Cheeky and the other ex-Barca guys at City um, would love him. I think anybody would love him, but um, he might not be available. Mark, I think uh, nearly every player, every club in the world has a player that their fans love to hate. And Jordan Henderson was one of those players when he transferred over to Liverpool a few years ago where uh, people were just really questioning his quality at times. But he's, kept, he's carrying the armband, the captain's armband, when Steven Gerrard's not playing these days. And he scored an absolute screecher on the weekend against Mal, uh, Manchester City. Has he finally won over the Liverpool fans? And uh, how good can this guy be? Because I think he's relatively young still. Yeah, I, it reminds me of Lampard when he first started at, at West Ham. But I always kind of said, I'm not picking myself up, I, I knew he had a lot of improvements to go, but there was always a good player in there with Jordan Henderson. You saw that at Sunderland. And I think there's a lot more to come from him as well, which is uh, the good thing for Liverpool. It looks odd gone that he's going to get the armband off Steven Gerrard at the, at the end of the season. Um, and I think, he thrives on that leadership at the moment when Steven Gerrard hasn't been in the team. So I think goals like that, if he gets more regular goals, his all-round play has been superb for the last 18 months. So it's a, you know, it's a good time for him. Um, Mike, Vinny here. I was very excited to hear that uh, Di Maria is going to come good with a little bit more time at Manchester United. I guess my question is... Uh, do, do Man U fans buy that sort of talk? Van Gaal is sort of running guard for him, saying that, uh, yeah, he started good, but now there's a lull and he has to adjust. I, I just wonder that in, in this age where these guys get paid such big bucks, whether the fans actually sort of swallow that sort of um, excuse. I mean, probably not, uh, I think is the, is the answer. I think he... You know, he is our record signing in this country. Nobody's ever spent more money on a player. Um, and it's just incredible. That, uh, I, I've watched a fair bit of him this season. My, the thing in my bonnet that I have with him is the fact that he never puts a cross in first time. If you watch him, he always puts his foot on the ball, which I just think is ludicrous when you've got uh, players running into the box. Uh, I, I think there's got, there's got to be a lot of work done on him to get him in the right mindset to, uh, to be worth that money. Um, it, it's not good at the moment. Man U fans are desperate for more attacking football. And they've got a £60 million player there that Van Hull really has to get the best out of. Mike, just talking about the confrontation between Gus Poyet and uh, Steve Bruce this morning. I think Poyet would take him in a ring, but uh, <laughs> Bruce would probably take him mud wrestling, I would have thought. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I, I, I think um, Bruce, you probably packed the punch. Actually, I think that'd be a pretty, I think that'd be a pretty good uh, contest. That one. <laughs> Put him in a cage. <laughs> Fantastic, mate. Uh, I know you're in the car on the way to Liverpool, there, Mike. Uh, hope you enjoy your day there. He and, will and enjoy the it, Carlos. Yes, they're winning. They're, they can't lose at the moment. They're just uh, absolutely on the rampage at the moment, Liverpool. And Warren's got a big smile on his face because of it. Thanks very much, Mike. And we'll speak to you again next week. Yeah, cheers, guys. Speak soon. Fantastic. That's Mike McGrath from the Sun newspaper in the UK talking all things EPL. Of course, guys, uh, it's been a big show, fantastic show. Very, very quickly, Warren, mm. Adelaide United made a bid for Steven Gerrard. How exciting. We're, we're a minute to midnight. I would have moved so my family. Did, did, did you get a snap in your shorts? Was there a snap in your shorts? Oh, there was a snap in a fair bit of me, Carlos. And I would have said, just very quietly, I would have moved the family. <laughs> simple. Fantastic. Simple, easy. Absolutely. But they uh, made a paltry bid. 
It was a derisory bid, I think, in the end, and uh, it was never ever going to get over. Given that uh, Warren lives in the golden square of uh, <laughs> A-League right. footballers, how, how funny would it have been if Stephen Gerrard moved next door? Can you lose your day job if you stalk somebody? <laughs> you can. Oh, okay, well, that would have been a problem. Well, thanks, boys. Uh, next week we'll be back on at same time, with, same station. With... Um... With back, Rodrigo back in town, which is fantastic. Back, uh, don't forget, coming up after the Four Diego's is All Night Appetite with Darren Parkin, including the banter hour with A-Rod. Stick around for that. That was a terrific hour last week. And looking was forward it? to listening to it all the way home tonight too. So uh, until next week, Vinny. Wherever Puerto Rican girls hang out, we'll, we'll be, be there. there. Wherever you samba, rumba and la bumba, we'll, we'll be there. there. Wherever there are girls with fruit on their head and balls at their feet, we'll, we'll be, be there. there. Wherever the gringos play football, we'll, we'll be, be there. there. Wherever the Diego's, we'll be there. there.